May the words I speak and the words we hear be your words of life to us, our God. Amen. You may not have noticed it, but the theme for this morning's readings was call. First we heard from the book of Jonah, the call of Jonah. And then from Mark's gospel, the call of the first four disciples. Call. That seems an appropriate theme as we begin a new year. It provides us with a chance to take stock. These these stories offer us a chance to reflect on our own call as individuals and as a church and to ask how we are called now and what might we be invited to this year. We are all called. For a long time we used to say that just clergy were called and they were called to the ministry. And lay people, well, they could help out clergy in their ministry. I heard a lot of clergy say that when I was a young priest nearly 30 years ago. Call was seen as a clergy thing. But one of the great gifts of the charismatic renewal was the rediscovery that all people are called and all people have ministry. We rediscovered the priesthood of all believers. And this call first occurs at baptism. You are called at your baptism, called to ministry. Now, most of us can't remember that call. Some of us are lucky enough to remember that call. So we all are called and we all have ministries. I would also go so far as to say that no ministry is more important than any other, which is to say that my ministry is not more important than any of yours. It's not to say that they are all the same. There is a wonderful array of ministries, and they are all important, and they are all called by God. So, there's not, I'd also want to say that there's not just one call either. My experience is that call is an ongoing thing. I have been called into ordained ministry, into youth ministry, out of youth ministry, to be a Franciscan, into parish ministry, and then to be here. And I could go on. So, as we listen to today's stories, we are offered an opportunity to remember our own callings. And as we start a new year, to reflect on how we live out those callings. So, to the readings then. The first reading we heard was from Jonah. I want to say, as we begin thinking about this book, that this story was never intended as a history book as we understand that word. There was no person called Jonah. He was never swallowed by a whale, never spat up on a beach, and Nineveh was never, never as big as described in this book. And the Assyrians, they never repented from their years of conquering and killing and 
displacing people across their lands. This is not this is not a history book. It is a satirical book. It is a story that pokes fun at the narrow-minded thinking of so many people of that time. Narrow thinking about who was in and who was out. About who was in the in-crowd and what that role of the in-crowd was and where God fitted into all of this. This story is supposed to be ridiculous. So ridiculous that it's funny. And in the midst of its funniness, people are supposed to think, oh, wait, oh, is it talking about me? My attitudes? My thinking about God? God's truth is in the story. Now, sometimes, quite a lot over the last 300 or so years, we've got confused between truth and factually accurate. For something to be true, it needs to be, we think, factually accurate. And so, this needs to be a history book and it needs to be accurate. It's not. Trust me. Truth, up until about 300 years ago, was an entirely different category. And that's the kind of truth that's in the story. God's truth. And so we have this really self-righteous and confident man of God who is very clear about who deserves the offer of salvation. And let's be clear, the Assyrians are not on his list. And he... And his response to his call by God is not a chance. I am not doing that. And God, you've got this all wrong. Those people, they're evil to the core and they do not deserve this chance. And his response to God is he runs the other way as fast as he can. And when he gets to the coast, he keeps going. He jumps on a boat and he sails off into the wild blue yonder. And when there's a storm and they think God is punishing us, he puts up his hand and he says, basically, it would be better to die than to do this ministry. I mean, how's that for avoiding what you're being called to do? I wonder when we have responded to a call like that. When we've thought, oh no, not me, you've got the wrong person, or I don't even think this is something that should happen. It reminds me of the time when people first suggested to me that I think about ordination. And my response to that is, not a chance. This isn't on my life plan. I am not going to be ordained. I'm going to be a teacher. That's my calling. And I thought that by not going to church, that would deal with that particular problem. Well, just like Jonah, it didn't work. And here I am today. So when have you felt a call and turned away? And how has that led to where you are today? We then have the story of the call of the first four disciples. Now, 
There's a lot that's interesting about the story, but one of the things that's interesting about the story is that it comes right at the beginning of the Gospel. Now, one of the common ways we can understand the first line of the Gospel of Mark, to remind you, the first line is the beginning of good news, the beginning of the good news of Jesus Christ, the Son of God, is that this isn't about, this isn't a, a statement that this is the beginning and the rest of the story is the good news of Jesus Christ, the Son of God, but actually the gospel as a whole is the beginning of the good news of Jesus Christ, the Son of God, and that the good news continues on after the gospel. So the story of Jesus then is the beginning of the good news. And so right here at the beginning of Mark's gospel, we have John the Baptist recognizing who Jesus is, the baptism of Jesus, and then you would think that Jesus would go off and do something wonderful, which is what he does immediately after the story we heard today. But no, the first thing he does, the first thing he does is call others into the good news. The good news isn't just about Jesus. And the good news does not stop with Jesus. The good news carries on through to the hearers of the gospel in Mark's community, which tradition tells us is in Rome. They are writing the story of the good news of Jesus Christ, the Son of God, in Rome. And we, as hearers of the good news, are also writing the story of the good news of Jesus Christ, the Son of God, here in Tauranga today. The story begins with Jesus, but it carries on through those first four disciples and others who Jesus called, and all those who have followed them through to us today and beyond. So, this little story is very important. And the Disciples, we are told, without delay, say yes to Jesus, gathering into the story. Now we could speculate on why they said yes, which would be interesting and probably even helpful, but it's not the point. Mark didn't want us to spend a lot of time thinking about why they said yes. He wanted us to note that they said yes It seems that they knew deep in their heart that this was the right thing to do. And they left all that was known to them, all that was expected of them, behind and followed Jesus. When I finally said yes to ordination, it was that kind of moment. I was training to be a teacher. I was looking forward to a life as a teacher And then there came a moment when I just knew that I was going to be a priest and that this teacher thing was going to be very short term. It just took me a long time to get there. Maybe it took Andrew a long time to get there as well. It seems reasonably clear to a lot of people that Jesus was one of John's disciples and at least one of the other Gospels Names Andrew as another of John's disciples. 
it would seem that Andrew and Jesus knew each other. So, maybe it took Andrew a while to get to that point of yes as well. So when have been the moments that you have said yes? When you've known deep in your heart that this was the right thing? And maybe, when have been the times that you have left behind all that was expected of you and followed? If I was to tell all the stories of when I've been called, all would be different. Some have been sudden and unexpected. Some were gradual. They took time as I gradually opened myself up to that possibility. Sometimes I thought I was being called to something. Some things that I thought I had a lot of experience and gifting for and I would make a really good job of it. And... I didn't get the job, wasn't called, not for me. Sometimes I just had to remember that call isn't about me and what I like and what I'm good at. Sometimes it is, as Jonah reminds us, all about God, what God will do through us. Remember, Jonah does not want this call. When he's spat up on the beach, he goes to Nineveh in a huff, he preaches the shortest sermon Known in human history, eight words. Don't you wish that I preached eight word sermons? And he then sits on a hill outside Nineveh and waits for them to be condemned and blow me down. God used that eight word sermon, presented grumpily and quietly, and they repent, according to the story. And he is not happy. He is not happy. In the end, call is about what God is doing through us. So, in the next few minutes, I invite you to use these stories, Jonah and Mark, to think about the times that you have felt or heard a call. And if you want, I invite you to talk to your neighbours and maybe talk about how you are called now and what that might mean for you and for us in this new year.